0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tacovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host. Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Elkshape Podcast with your host, Dan the Fitness Man. What's up? Thanks for tuning in. You got a lot of options. Appreciate you choosing us. Let's get to it. So Dusty Alexander came to Elkshape Camp Number 3 several years ago in Spokane, Washington. Years later, we were able to reconnect and he came out to Elkshape Camp Texas this year in 2022 to volunteer his time and basically be the glue to the camp the guy was running people left and right to airports to the camp helping with cooking and cleaning and just I mean he was instrumental more importantly Dusty has experience e-scouting Colorado because he's the kind of guy who's a DIYer and he goes I mean 14 hour drive does not lend itself well to on the boots scouting you got to actually do it from a computer especially when you have a full-time job married and kids so we're gonna bring dusty on today we're gonna break down his uh, elk hunting learning curve where he's at on it how they had some success things that they learned along the way including the old deadfall and beetle kill and uh, what he's learned on his e-scouting journey this is a very pertinent time of year to be looking at which tags that you're getting in and then dedicating 15 to 30 minutes a day on your e-scouting creating hunt plans this is Dusty Alexander and you're listening to the Elkshape podcast. Dusty and I haven't done the little pre-podcast chit chat. We're gonna dive right into this. Dusty Alexander was a guy who came from Texas to maybe my second ever Elk Shape camp or third, I can't remember. And years. He's actually gonna help me out in our Elk Shape camp in April in Texas. And uh, we're going to check in with him tonight and see uh, kind of an after-action report of the 2021 elk season and really how his elk hunting learning curve is going. Dusty, on the other line, how are you? Yeah, man. Doing good. Good to hear you. Likewise, man. It's been a minute. So what have you been up to? (laughs) Yes, sir. Oh, man. Life, you know.
2: Um, Just uh, work and we're, uh, we're building a house right now and I'm doing as much, I'm doing some work on it just to kind of save us some money. So <clears throat> I've been sealing floors and that's got me whipped right now, but, uh, doing that working, you know, I've got three young kids, uh, so they keep me plenty busy and in the meat while we're building our house, we're living in my dad's boat barn. <laughs> so, uh, it's it's good time the kids will have good memories of it and it's like summer camp for them because we all sleep in the same room <laughs> but uh it's it's uh it's a good time i guess that's what i've been up to <laughs>
1: that's stressful man uh it's tough to get enough sleep it's tough to eat right it's tough to work out for sure so you do your normal job and then you go clock in at the house that you're building Lately I have been yeah
2: um, I don't have to do that all the time just when it's kind of my turn to do some of the projects that on it that I'm going to do um, like with the with the sealing the floors and then I'll be building some railing and stuff like that um, welding up some railing uh, here before too long uh, but I'll get a, I'll get a little break from it <clears throat> I just finished up covering the floors that I sealed um, today tonight so so I get a little break from that
1: When do you guys hope to be able to move in?
2: Man, really hoping to move in like June or July. Uh, We've been just like everybody. I think we've been waiting on various things right now. It's windows September, you know, that, uh, that we're going to be here in December and then January and then January, February. Now it's March and hopefully they're supposed to be here next week or at least some of them. (laughs) So we'll see, man. But uh, but yes, yeah, so hopefully we'll still uh, still complete and move in somewhere around June or July. is what we're shooting for.
1: Mm, having everybody in the same room—that's tough. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, man. It's um, you know, <laughs> it can be hard. You know, if one of the kids has a cough or something like that, it makes it awful tough to uh, to sleep. Um, but it's also like it's kind of fun. You know, my wife and I will put the kids to bed. And then we usually have a little bit of time to hang out, um, do our thing, and then we'll go up. And it's kind of fun to see them in their little position, you know, sleeping positions and here, making little sleep noises and things that I would miss, you know, if they were in their own rooms and we were in ours. Um, So it's kind of a neat, a neat time. But yeah, we're definitely uh, ready (laughs) to have our own space back and our own kitchen. And so we sleep like my my dad has a an apartment that he had built for his mom to live here. And she refuses to move in. She's 94 and lives on her own and sharp as a tack and hilarious. And she's she's so fun and funny. And she won't move in here. So my mother-in-law moved is, has moved into the downstairs and uh which is the apartment with a bedroom and a kitchen and a bathroom. And then the upstairs is was just a bunk room. And so that's that's where we stay, is upstairs, and then my mother-in-law sleeps downstairs. She'll be moving in with us at the new house too.
1: Okay, well, that's going to be exciting. Um, I was, I'm, you're in Texas. What part of Texas are you in?
2: <clears throat> yeah, so we live uh, really just north of San Antonio, um, sort of the Boulevard Canyon Lake area, um, real close to where Texas TAC is. Um, it's it's not too far down the road.
1: That market's hot. So I imagine you sold your house pretty fast.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we put it on the market and the first, I think we put it on the market on a Friday and had, you know, offers Saturday and, you know, basically sold it to one of those offers that we got that weekend. Um, It was a, yeah, it was a good time to sell. It's not necessarily a great time to buy (laughs) or build, Um, but
1: you know, being able to sell high certainly, certainly helps the process. Definitely. Well, let's get into some elk season stuff. You came to camp, I want to say three years ago, two years ago. Yeah. So it was number three in Spokane. Um, I think
2: I actually did the train to hunt court, a little train to hunt mini course thing Yep. next to a
1: web right next to Jake. Oh yeah. So Spokane, that's where I met Jake was at that camp and we did, uh. Okay. That, that, that refreshes my memory. So Kenton from train to hunt came over and ran you guys through a mock train to hunt course, right? Yep. That's awesome. Well, um, that's pretty cool. And then Jake, that's where I met Jake and, you know, he was just a camper and I've told the story on the podcast before, but he just wouldn't like, he just kept lingering, (laughs) you know, Hey, when are you going to shoot at the archer range? Hey, when are you, when do you work out? And, um, now I hang out, I shot and worked out with him today, and he's one of my little best homies. He's a hard worker, which is, you know, what you want to be around. Uh, but you came down with some really cool guys. Like, I remember Kyle, what's he up to? Yeah. Oh, man, he's
2: doing good. He works oil and gas, and so they're currently, uh, you know, on an upswing right now. So he's super busy. Um, you know, he's doing all, he's got, he's my cousin, and he's got three kids right the same ages as mine. You know, mine are four, seven. I'm sorry, four, six, and nine, and uh, he's got three right in there as well. And uh, he's so we're he's in the midst of t-ball, and he played ball um, at TCU and was played a little bit in the Orioles or organization as well. And so he's all about, all about the baseball, and so he's having fun coaching his kids in t-ball and stuff like that. Uh, but he's doing good. He uh, he had his own encounter at elk season, so he's a trad guy, um, right? And he hunts with uh, with two other. Uh, trad guys and um, they he started up one year before I did so I guess this was his fifth year um, they got a bull this year Dahlberg actually got an arrow in one and, won and um, but just hit it high and they couldn't they didn't uh, didn't recover it unfortunately um, but uh, you know he's such a good storyteller it's fun to <laughs> fun to hear him recount
1: I could see that
2: yeah yeah fun, fun to hear the whole the whole uh, recounting of his, of his, uh, not miss, but his non-recovery, you know, and it was a bummer heartbreaking, but you know, you know, he, he just gets more, more intense and, uh, and dedicated when something like that happens. So he's fired up for this coming season, you know, did you go
1: to Colorado this year? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we, you know,
2: we are very late <laughs> to the points game. Me and I, I, hunt with two dudes, two friends of mine, um, who I met uh, through a uh, men's Bible study here locally. And, um, yeah, we, we just being Texas guys, you know, we, we all grew up hunting. Um, but, we never hunted out of state. So the, the points game was very foreign to us. Elk hunting was always just sort of a bucket list thing that we always kind of wanted to do, you know? Um, and so, uh, we don't have a, you know, a bunch of points amassed anywhere. So we generally, we, you know, we, we shoot the long ball for New Mexico, um, every year, you know, and, and when we don't draw that, we go over the counter, typically in Colorado. Um, although, the over-the-counter areas that we've been hunting in Colorado generally, uh, most of them have gone to a draw now, um, but uh, we actually went to one of them last year. Uh, but it's, it, you know, it's essentially a hundred percent draw, even for, we put in second choice, point for first choice and second choice, and it's basically hundred percent draw even for a non-resident still. So um, you can still hunt there, um, you know, so still every year if, uh, as long as you get in on that draw. Um, this year we put in, we threw, you know, we, we also put in in Arizona, um, and then New Mexico, you know, cause somebody has got to draw those random tags in Arizona. <laughs> so we figured Damn we'll straight. start putting in there. Um, and that's, you know, that's it's a nice thing about New Mexico, even though the odds are super low, um, it's still, we, we still got a shot. Um, we could still draw it just cause they don't do the you know, bonus points uh,
1: in, in New Mexico. So did you draw Arizona? Might want to go check, bro. Dude, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I've been. I should go check. Um, gosh, that's funny.
1: I didn't even know today was the day. Today's the day. I'll check. Probably not. <laughs> I I did not draw either. I wasn't expecting to. I swung for the fences. I mean, did you? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I drew last year, so you know you start over, right? And you might as well swing
2: for the fences. For sure. I mean, that's definitely what we do. Both in New Mexico and Arizona, we're just like, ah, I mean, really nothing that we put in for is any more than a couple percent chance, you know, that we're going to draw as non-residents. So you might as well, <laughs> you know, yeah, you might as well go
1: for what for the for the good stuff. Dude, I'm so overdue in New Mexico. I haven't drawn since 2007. Been putting in straight
2: through. Mm, so. We first started putting in. Let's see. I guess four years ago, us uh, myself and we've drawn a couple of mule deer tags um, in uh, in New Mexico, and we've killed some mule deer there. That was actually my first out-of-state hunt. Um, that was kind of what what wet my whistle for it. And uh, we went uh, killed a pretty decent uh, mule deer there in New Mexico. And then the next year started uh, started with the uh, the elk hunting. Um, but yeah, so. This year, I'm assuming we'll be back in Colorado, back OTC. Um, So we'll have to kind of find a new area since we're going to be doing over-the-counter.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of going to be for you. I don't see you building a house and having time to do, well, what's it, an eight, nine-hour drive just to get to the Colorado border?
2: I I don't yeah um I don't do any none of us do any boots on the ground scouting unfortunately uh, it's all e scouting um and so last year I did um, Mark Livesey's, uh Tree Line Academy
1: yes bro and you used my discount code I hope yes sir you you know it it's mind-blowing. did you finish it already the course
2: yeah oh dude I churned through that thing in like two or three weeks um just sat down and did it for for as many hours as I could after the kids went to bed, uh, here in the barn. And, uh, man, it's, uh, it's, it's next level. It's unreal. That guy. So going to our elk hunt last year, just to let you know, kind of the difference that it made for us. Um, you know, I'd done e-scouting before I'd made hunt plans, you know, all that stuff, but nothing to the level that Mark takes you to in that course. Right. And so like I had all these, you know, I had all the, all the, all the hot, where I considered hot benches, you know, um, based off of what Mark taught in his courses. And I had these benches sort of outlined, you know, and I, I told the guys, I said, right there, that's where we're going to, that's where we're going to kill elk. And we found, we only, we didn't see a lot of elk. They were real quiet. We were there, um, let's see, mid-September, we were there basically 17th to 24th. Mm, I like it. Four of us, we had four tags. Um, so that's a lot of work to do, you know, in just a week basically. And that was a tough moon phase too. Dude, it was rough for a moon phase, but we, um, you know, we found some elk. Um, what's crazy is we, we, we saw a total of, uh, let's see two cows, two bulls. And then we, we heard and got onto one other bull we never saw and that's it. But the convert, I was pretty happy with our conversion rate because we put an arrow and recovered one bull. Um, and we got an arrow in another bull, which unfortunately we didn't recover, which is a, which is a huge bummer, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, we got out of, out of the, uh, the, the three bulls that we sort of came in contact with, we were able to make, you know, get, get arrows into two of them. Um, and so, uh, I was really proud of the guys for being able to sort of for that conversion rate. You know what I mean? Like generally I figure probably takes a whole lot of, um, you know, I think I've heard you say like eight encounters or something like that before you generally can get an arrow off, you know, it can't be a twig in the way can't be anything in the way. And, um, and the good Lord was smiling on us and we had two, two good, you know, good, um, good shot opportunities. Um, But, uh, but yeah, and, and all of the elk that we got on were, were, I essentially drew circles around where we took blackovas.com com is oh, where I buy all my course. gear.
1: I use the discount code ELKSHAPE it takes 10% off. Very few exclusions apply. Shipping is fast and free they're already great prices and when it comes to getting your gear in your hands early 2022 it's never been more important. Number one, supply chain issues number two, inflation. Don't wait your prices could go up on everything and number three, get the gear in your hand test it and vet it before the season Black Ovis offers clothing, footwear, optics gear, archery, camping several different brands, lots of SKUs. We've partnered with them because we believe in them. Use a discount code Elkshape save 10%. TheElkCollective.com is a website that I started with John Gabriel several years ago. We wanted to create a digital, virtual, educational learning platform where you could watch videos and learn how to elk hunt. Learn specific tactics from several different subject matter experts who hunt in different states. If you're an elk hunter, you've signed up for being a student for life. So join The Elk Collective and get going. Use the discount code podcast, all one word, and save 20% on your annual membership. Numa Outdoors, I partnered with them over a year ago. I switched from Sika Gear to Numa Gear. This brand believed in elk shape and I believed in them. I tested their gear before partnering with them and I was really impressed. Numa has an entire line dedicated to Out West and here's your lineup if you're in the market. Get yourself the Base Haven Base Layers, the Pursuit Pant with the Knee Pad that is removable. These are breathable, athletic, good four-way stretch pants that'll help you maneuver and be athletic in the mountains. For a top layer, I recommend a Renegade short sleeve, long sleeve, or quarter zip with a mid layer, alpha vertex, jacket or vest, and always have a palisade puffy in your pack to wait out storms. Use the discount code Elkshape 20 to save 20% off your first purchase from Numa Outdoors. Faru International, this is the best backpack on the market in my opinion. First things first, get yourself the duplex light frame. Then you can attach any bag that you want. I have several bags in my arsenal, but my top three are going to be the hoodlum. The hoodlum is I'm going to use for anywhere from a five to seven day hunt. I can pack out an elk with it easily and I can organize my gear. The next pack of choice is going to be the 22 mag, a little bit smaller than the hoodlum. This is more of like a two or three day effort, perfect for the elk hunt, perfect for the elk mountains, perfect for getting around and keeping your gear organized. Last but not least is the new hellbender. This is the Striker XL on steroids. This is a pack that I'm going to be using exclusively in 2022 elk hunts. All three bags fit on my duplex light frame and with kufaro you can customize your setup with accessories i generally run on my right hip the water bottle pocket gen 2 for my Nalgene, a small or medium belt pouch and generally a small medium large pocket somewhere on the bag can also backfill with the sherman pocket or guide lid and inside my bag i organize all my gear with kufaro ultralight pullouts when it comes to sizing your frame the belt the straps they have great customer service just pick up the phone give them a shout tell them elk shape sent you talk to their customer service representative get the exact size you need buy one cry once and enjoy the best hunting backpack on the market okay so let's 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 dive in for those that haven't taken mark's course and i think you know this i got mark convinced to come to all my camps this year it's been it's been awesome shake his hand when he here in texas and just say thanks (laughs) he's a really cool dude man like he's 56 years young and he's He's got such a good story for those don't know Mark Livesey, Tree Line Pursuits. Uh, and I should probably say the discount code is Elk Shape, and you'll get 20 bucks off. But his course is like 119, and it's a two year membership. And I would call it like a must, not a should. Even for guys who live out west, like I do, I've traded scouting time for family time just to tip the scales in my favor as I've, you know, my family's grown. And that's a good call for those that have wife, kids, like. Man, you step up your e-scouting game just so you can spend more time with your family in the summer and maybe go hunting more than what you guys did, which is the 17th to the 24th. I mean, that's, that's a very small, small window. But anywho, the gist of what I've gathered and just listening to him talk and taking his course myself is Mark's all about finding the features that elk are going to love to be at and increasing your odds. He calls them odds multipliers and obviously finding benches on north slopes and northeast slopes that have certain things nearby that they dig really helps you kind of start narrowing down the search in an area. And then the thing that he does the best is he says you need multiple tools. You need to be able to utilize hunting fool. You need to be able to utilize top rut on X google earth and and use all these tools with multiple screens on a desktop for those listening if you think e-scouting is dropping pens on your phone on on x i mean that may work for some people but to me that doesn't even scratch the surface would you agree with that
2: yeah absolutely man i mean that was me before you know i was google and i and on x and and that was it um and uh, he, you know and yeah, he completely opened my eyes to all the different tools that are out there. I mean, after, after his course, you know, now I've got guy, I run Gaia and I run on X on my phone. Um, and I'm, but while I'm sitting doing my e-scouting, yeah, I'm looking at (laughs) so many different sources. It's ridiculous, you know, and he tells you where to go out and get, um, like, for instance, we've, we've been, you know, we've kind of been hosed in the past by livestock, um, in some areas. And so he, you know, through that course, he took, he teaches you how to find those livestock allotments and then lay them over your Google earth. And so, you know, exactly, you know, where you, if, if somebody has that area of the public land leased. And so, you know, if you're going to run into cattle or goats or whatever it might be, um, if that's going to be a problem.
1: Yeah. He's taught me how to lay over live snow lines to see, what the snowpack is, to see how much it's melting. A bunch of stuff that he's working on bringing to the course. CalTOPO, which is another great free resource, and you can use motor use vehicle maps and lay those over the top so you know for sure. Like someone in my position especially cannot break rules at all. So I have a four-wheeler. I have a dirt bike. I have an e-bike. I darn sure want to make certain that I'm not going down some road I'm not supposed to and that. so that's been a really cool so for yeah the e-scouting's huge what other little things did you pick up that you're looking for when like maybe you're just flying over an area like what stands out to you that man there should be oak there
2: yeah so like you were saying and like what he calls those odds multipliers you know so obviously benches a lot of times on north facing slopes um but you, but if you can find those benches Near like these, uh, you know, a saddle that's a good escape route, or near, um, or you know, even even if that bench is surrounded by you know extra steep, you know areas, and it is just this nice bench in there, um, and then there's a saddle nearby, and then maybe some water and some good feed. You know, it's all these little things that 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 make the odds that you're going to find elk on that particular bench better and better when those things are in that you know in the proximity, um, and you know, and he dude, uh, so things like Using the history feature in Google Earth to look at a uh, blowdown and beetle kill, which was brutal where we were, but we didn't have a lot of choice. So we just worked with it.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm here to tell you, there's certain beetle ki- kill areas that have just the right amount of age. So like when beetles kill a tree, it'll stay dead and red for a couple of years. So you can use that slide on Google Earth to really figure out when those trees are going to tip over or when they did. And, and if you can find areas where it's kind of spread out beetle kill, where it's not like dense, you know, logs laying over logs, over logs, over logs. But like, if it's just kind of enough where elk can make trails in there, they feel really safe and protected in those kind of areas. So then you got to figure out, okay, the elk actually might bed in this, you know, this little patch of beetle killed timber that's laying on the ground and we have to go in there, and we can find the elk trails in there. What about micro meadows? Did you did you key on those?
2: Yeah, you know where we were. Um, there was so much beetle kill, honestly, and so much blowdown that it, there was a lot of open. Like we could glass, um, you know, into some of these beetle kill areas. Like it had destroyed enough of the canopy um, that we could glass into the kill, um, almost like a fire. Wow. Um, and so. Uh, that was, that was kind of how we did, and we did actually hit some meadows, um, absolutely found some of those micro meadows and, and hit in on them, found some trails around them, didn't get into elk there, um, uh, but uh, d- we did get into elk um, on, the, on some good benches. And honestly, the benches that we got into Elk in this situation would um, with um, aspen trees, like some really good little uh, aspen benches. Oh, they were on um, there weren't a lot of aspen trees, but there were some on sort of this almost southwest facing slope. So it was kind of a for me, it wasn't like a, a number one hit list spot, but it had uh, it, you know, other than the direction it faced, it had. Um, some good aspens, some good benches. uh, And there, and because there weren't many aspens around, I marked that and marked those benches in there and, and just thinking um, uh, that that would be, it would pull the elk in because there weren't aspens elsewhere in the area. Right. Right. And that was another thing that he taught actually not to, uh, not to uh, inflate Mark too much, but that was another thing that he taught in his course was how to identify the aspen trees, you know, using that Google slider, catch a picture in the fall when their leaves are a different color than all the evergreens around them. And that's how you find those aspens. Um, and if they happen to be on a bench, you're in, the, you
1: know, you're in the money. Did you find any, uh, water wallows in those little aspen benches? Uh, we water. Yes. Um, but we really didn't find very many active wallows. Dude, when we were there, they were so quiet. That moon phase we should probably, I mean, this podcast is like fun for me to like go over What the heck are you going to do when you have a finite number of days, you got a squad of four tags, you got a rock, paper, scissors or spread the wealth of shooter caller and they're not talking. Um, I know what I do in those instances and I'll go through it, but I want to hear what you guys did based on the lack of elk vocalizations. Sure. Yeah. So we got up in there and we were really
2: hoping to hear bugles, um, you know, at night basically so that we that would help us uh, locate and we didn't (laughs) and so we were pretty disappointed with that Um, but I had some glassing spots that I'd picked out we went to and got slapped in the face by how tough it was going to be to get around the country so the beetle kill that that was there was what I would call extremely mature Um, it it's as far back as I could scroll in google I mean it was I could pull it back as far as 12 to 15 years and there was beetle kill there yep so um the the pickup sticks were unreal man um just just navigating it i had a, a little knob picked out that was probably three quarters of a mile from our <laughs> camp yeah and we were like oh we'll just bebop out there the first night you know first evening because we we got out there about midday and so we just rolled out there uh, we thought we'll just go out there and, and glass that evening dude <laughs> It took us almost till dark to get out there because the blowdown was so bad. And granted we're flatland boys. Um, you know, we're Texas boys and, and, you know, I don't know, we think we're tough. We may not be, we may be real soft, but dude, it was rough for us. And, uh, and so, um, that was a slap in the face, but our plan was to get out there do some glassing, hopefully find some elk in these areas that I'd sort of identified, um, didn't see any that first night, didn't hear any bugles that first night, so next day, we got up and headed up, headed further in, basically, just jumped on the trail, um, headed a couple miles further into some other glassing points that I had found, you know, we just kind of didn't want to hang around there too much, because we'd already glassed one evening, we saw quite a bit of the country, didn't hear bugles, so we went in another couple miles that next morning, and found a couple more of the glass and spots I'd identified. And there was a, one specific bench I really wanted to watch and see if the elk were coming in and out of it. And so we got up, got up there and and sure enough, saw two cows moving up into uh, sort of towards one of these benches that I'd identified. Um, and this is cross Canyon. Um, you know, we're basically, ooh, I don't know. We were only 30, 40 yards off trail at, at this little glass and spot that I'd picked out <clears throat> and the, we had a real low fog that morning and so they just sort of slipped up into that fog but they were headed towards a bench that I had uh, had marked and one that I really wanted to see I just liked a lot about it um, and so you know um, we watched them you know the guys <clears throat> we uh, at this point it's me and two other guys our fourth um, we had one new yago with us this year um, it was his first year. So, you know, we figured we're all three trying to figure this out. We're all pretty green. So we might as well throw in a total rookie to the crew. Um, and so the three of us that were there, um, one guy that has been going with us for several years, he, his family got sick right before we left. And so he had to stay back for a day. And, uh, and then he actually came up later. But so this day, it's, it's myself and my buddy, John, and we're the two who can call. And then the, the rookie, the new guy, Robert. And so we're watching these two elk, and and you know they're like, well, let's go, you know, let's go around there and get on them. And I was like, well, let's wait and see where they go. So we were watching them, um, and uh, you know, uh, John had to go take care of some business, so I sat and watched. And then I had to go take care of some business, and he sat and watched. And then we sat a little longer, and sure enough, here comes a bull. Moving right up behind those those cows, and you know, so we saw a bull, two cows moving up towards a bench. And so at that point, I was like, okay. And he kind of slipped up into the fog too. That point, I, we were like, okay, let's let's move around that way, and we'll come. You know, we'll we'll try to stay on level. So we're looking across the canyon, but they're basically at the same height that we are. So we basically side hill all the way around this this sort of kind of this bowl. Stay up on the level we want to be on and get around to to them. And this is morning uh, when we saw them, and it took us until about oh, <clears throat> I think three, three o'clock to get all the way around there. Oh and, uh,
1: my goodness, that's yeah, yeah.
2: It was. I mean, and it was you know. So that day we did um, eleven miles, all said and done, from from camp all the way around to that point, and then all the way back was um, was eleven miles, but. Uh, so it, I mean, it had some distance to it. Some of that's trail, but dude, moving through those that blowdown is no joke. Um, and so once we got over there onto the other face, that's when the blowdown got serious. Um, and uh, and so we just moved across it though, and just we we're like, well, we know that, that there's a bull over here, and he looked like a good bull. We were a long ways away. We didn't have spotters, um, just you know, ten by forty-two binos that we were we were using for glass. And um, but I could tell that you know he was he was wide he was heavy couldn't uh you know definitely legal um and so uh we headed over towards him and Mm -hmm. dude you would not believe how well it came together like you would have thought we'd done this a hundred times the good lord's just smiling down on us so john and i we're we uh, you know we're kind of just telling robert kind of giving him the rundown as we're walking you know here's what you want to do here's what you're looking for here's you know, I want you in front of trees, we want you behind trees, you know, kick out your area around you so you're not breaking sticks and all, you know, all this stuff, draw earlier than you think you're going to need to draw, you know, and, uh, and so we get up in there and we get about to where we think they were headed, right, and we're like, all right, let's just, let's set up here, we'll do a little bit of calling, kind of a cold call, um, or blind call, you know, just some cow calls, things like that. And honestly, we had bugled a few times as we moved around um, that canyon just to see if anybody would answer and, you know, never got anything, <clears throat> but, um, got around there, John, John and I call. Um, so John, he said, Hey, I'll call first. You guys go up and y'all, you know, we had kind of do a two shooter setup when we're running three guys. So we put, we put Robert up, uh, up in front of John and downhill a little bit. And then, uh, me uphill a little bit from, Robert, and the way the wind was blowing, we figured we'd suck him in basically between us, hopefully, kind of, but, uh, so John starts just little kind of pleading cow calls, um, and about 10 minutes in, I hear a chuckle, (laughs) and I was like, Uh, and then my head just starts swiveling all you know i'm looking back to see if i can see john to see if he knows that we're hearing a chuckle because he's a little bit on the backside of a hill from us a little finger and dude we i hear this chuckle and john's he's just kind of keeps in with his little pleading cow calls you know and and uh and then i hear he starts to rake and i was like oh my gosh dude this is actually working like he's coming you know, and he gets a little closer, and I hear him chuckle again, and I'm watching, I'm looking down at Robert, I can kind of see him standing in front of this pine, and he's got himself a good little spot, and he's dug in, um, and I'm watching him, and he's ranging different things, and I was like, okay, good, you know, he's, he's doing good, he's, he's getting his ranges, and, uh, and I, you know, I've got my ranges and my shooting lanes, and he chuckles again, and John keeps keeps uh, keeps his little, you know, soft cow calls, just sort of these pleading, you know, cow calls going and, uh, and then all of a sudden, th- through a pine tree that's probably 10 yards in front of me I see a glint of tan, you know, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, here he is, he's here, you know, and it took maybe 15 minutes and probably five minutes after the first call we heard like he's coming in. And, uh, and so I'm essentially hyperventilating at this point, you know, like, like, oh, I can't believe this is actually working. Like we're actually making decisions that are working and we're not just guessing at everything anymore, (laughs) you know? Yep. And so like, he's coming in and like I said, he's right behind this pine tree from me. And so I'm like, well, I look down at Robert, you know, and, and I, and he's, I see him essentially go to full draw. And so I'm like, oh man, here we go and he, he sits there, and he waits, and I can sort of see the bull moving uphill, you know, working his way uphill. He chuckles again right there in front of us, and he's probably, oh, he's probably 30 yards from Robert at this point, and then pretty similar for me, but maybe 35 for me, because he's a little further downhill toward on Robert's level from where I am, um, and then, you know, Robert's sitting there at full draw, and I can tell he's tracking this bull, and I'm like, bro, I'm trying to figure out what's happening, you know, like what's he waiting on? He must have something between him. And then I'm thinking, shoot, if this bull takes two more steps, like he's gonna be in my shooting lane up here. And so I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to get ready. And so, you know, I draw or I get ready to draw. And then the bull kind of turns and looks, He looks almost directly at Robert. Like he doesn't turn his whole body to where he's, he's looking dead on at him, but he he swivels his head over right at Robert and just looks right at him. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh-oh," you know, <laughs> he, he's he's made. And so then I hear the toom, I hear this bow go off, and I hear it hit the bull, and the bull get, comes right into my shooting lane and runs straight away from us. And I watch, and then he turns downhill, and I hear a crash, and Ooh. I was like, "No way!" I was like, "Surely he was just running through all this this blowdown. Like the, that, there's no way he's down right up right over there." And so like, I'm looking at Robert, you know, and I'm waving, you know, oh, and as the bull's running away, I I give him a couple of mews and I even bugled at him as he was running away and just, you know, gave him, gave him some mews, um, some cow calls. Um, and then, you know, I'm looking at Robert and I'm giving him the kind of shoulder shrug, like, but, you know, what do you think? What, like whisper yelling at him, you know, like, mm-hmm. did you, Was he, how do you feel? Was it was a good shot, you know? And John comes over the hill and he's doing the same thing to me. And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm signing to him, you know, Robert shot, Robert shot him. So John goes down there to, towards Robert and they're both, you know, like waving at me and we're sign language. And so basically, you know, he, Robert, he shot, felt really good about his shots. So we're like, okay, great. Like, I was like, I, I, and I, you know, John kind of meandered his way up to me and I was like, dude, I, you know, I'm kind of watching this spot where I saw him disappear. And I was like, dude, I, he turned downhill right there. And I heard a crash. I was like, I don't know if he fell or if he, you know, was just crashing through, br- you know, the deadfall and brush because he was hurting. Um, but uh, we gave him a little bit of time, not, you know, we probably just mm, 45 minutes or so. Uh, Robert felt really good about his shot, uh, and we heard the crash, and so then we, so we gave him about 45 minutes or so headed, and then, and then I kind of angled uphill to try to see where I saw him go downhill, basically, and look, so I kind of looked down my shooting lane and just pivoted to to move my point of view downrange, basically, and so um, I looked, I was looking, and I saw this branch kind of angled, sticking up, but uh, you know, horizontal parallel to the earth. And I was like, that looks like a suspicious branch, (laughs) got my binoculars out and it's an antler. And there he is. And I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure he's dead. I can't see him breathing. So I motioned to the guys, you know, gave him the, uh, the thumb across the throat. Like, I think he's dead. I think he's gone. (laughs) And so, uh, so we go down there and dude, he's laying there dead. I mean, he put a heck of a shot on this bull. Um, good, mature bull, you know, nice, It was a, uh, it was was a good, you know, uh, a little six, not a big six, um, but he had, you know, he had forks up top, uh, uh, really good fronts, good mass, good mature, you know, I think he was a mature bull, uh, and so like, certainly not what we expected for our first ever Um, And certainly didn't expect the rookie to shoot him. But I, but, and he, he told me later, he's like, dude, I didn't want to shoot y'all's bull. Like, y'all have worked so hard for this. And I was, I was hoping he would come up and you could shoot. And that's why he waited so long to shoot. So Robert's a good dude. Wow. That guy's legit. But I told him, I was like, dude, if that bull had, had, had nailed you and run off and you didn't shoot it, I would have been pissed. Like, like, I am so glad you shot that bull because if it if he, if I would have known you had an open shot for that long and you let him walk, we would have been mad. We're just happy. You got it. You know, for us, any, any, any one of us shoots a bull and you know, we're, it's our bull, you know, we're thrilled. Like every, every one of us, you know, put in the blood, sweat and tears to get there. And, uh, and it was, we were just so pumped for him and uh, it was a good bull uh, and uh, just, you know, yeah unreal you know how the way it all came together just just like you you know you'd you'd read about basically
1: no that's what i mean that's what we're all shooting for well let's get into some really specific questions on this whole deal first thing i want to ask you is just a straight up altitude question coming from north of san antonio man like you're not there's nothing really you can do at the end of the day but there's things you can do to break down altitude preparation. Hunt, slash, what did you guys experience? I take it with me everywhere I go on my phone. Download your maps ahead of time, and you know differences between state, BLM, national, private. You know where roads are at, terrain features. You can do all your e-scouting from a desktop via the desktop version, and have all those waypoints and information transferred to your phone. Having a tremendous amount of confidence that it's not going to crash in the backcountry when you need it most, and that you are legally hunting where you're allowed. The elite membership will allow you to get free access to Hunt Reminder. This is a great app that will notify you when draw deadlines are approaching, so that you never miss. The deadline. You also get access to Top Rut, which has arguably the best draw odds in the business. And if that wasn't enough, you also get access to Hunt and Full, their digital publication with each state breakdown and analysis, so you can plan your hunts ahead of time. All this for $99. Plus, when you enter the discount code ElkShape, it'll take 20% off. Wilderness Athlete. This is a supplement company, not a marketing company. The difference being, these guys spend their dollars reinvesting into product development. And I have been partnered with them for a very long time. They just came out with their new Hero, which is Hydrate, Energize, Recharge, and Overcome. All you have to do is add water. Make you pick up a couple boxes of those for elk hunting season as well as hydrate recover energy and focus the green infusion daily multis fish oils probiotics protein powder post-workout pre-workout whatever you need whatever the goal wildernessathlete.com enter the discount code elkshape 30 to save 30 percent off your first purchase Baku e-bike elite fat tire e-bikes to help elevate your game i use the mule people ask me why do i not use the storm because i hunt out west and i need the extra wattage to get up steep terrain find a dealer near you by heading to backhoe.com for a quick little demo ride to see for yourself or get yourself a backcountry e-bike a trail an extra battery use a discount code ElkShape to save $300 off your purchase and utilize these e-bikes when you're chasing turkeys bear deer elk any sort of trail logging road where legal they are an awesome resource for you to get in and get out quietly and if you have a trailer hopefully you're hauling precious elk meat back to the truck black rifle coffee company i am a huge fan of coffee Probably guilty of maybe drinking too much, but I love Black Rifle. It's my alternative to Starbucks. These folks at Black Rifle are pro hunting, pro 2A, veteran owned. I can tell you right now, you guys should check out the Coffee Club. Join the club, and you're gonna get free shipping on your club orders. Automatic deliveries on your schedule, so you can program it for when coffee should arrive at your doorstep. You'll get exclusive discounts from over 50 plus partner brands, and you can always tweak, tinker, and modify your subscription at any time to suit your fancy. My favorite all time is the Flying Elk. That should be no surprise. Black Rifle is a huge partner of Elk Shape. They've support our message of crushing the elk hunting learning curve and leveraging elk hunting. Check out Black Rifle Coffee Club of the Month. into the discount code ElkShape. Save fifteen percent off and enjoy America-driven coffee from a veteran-owned company.
2: Yeah, man. So, um, so alt- i have never had an issue with like altitude sickness. Thank goodness. Um, you know, I've been, you know, I've I've been to the mountains, snow skiing and, and or whatnot since you know when I was a kid. Things like that. I've, I've done some backpacking. Um, and then, you know, more recently, here in the last four years, been hunting in the mountains, and I've never had like the headaches and the and the you know the the sort of altitude sickness stuff, but it definitely you know the oxygen is a is a yes <laughs> is a is a bear, definitely those especially you know first two two three days, just uh, you know like you're, you're trying to breathe <laughs> through a sock or something you know yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah you know and and I'm. Um, and as far as preparing for it, I just figure, you know, the better shape I can get into here, um, the better it'll serve me there, regardless of, you know, altitude or not, or oxygen or not. Um mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm like, I CrossFit, <laughs> I've been doing it for, oh, uh, geez, since 2000. Yeah, and you teach CrossFit I too, guess. or
1: have so I mean, you're not.
2: I was a coach, uh, for five or six years. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, you wouldn't think it, you know, I'm kind of the chubby crossfitter, <laughs> but,
1: uh, i got a great. good movement,
2: you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the slow guy, uh, in our group, John is a dadgum mountain goat. He's probably 135. He's, he's built kind of like you. Um, you've probably got more muscle mass on him, but he's 135 pounds. Um, you know, and um, <clears throat> and just a mountain goat he can get anywhere he wants quick and then i'm kind of the sloth that uh, that just has one gear i just move in one speed the whole time but you throw a weight on our back and i i still kind of go the same speed you know um but uh but yeah and so i i I do a lot of tire dragging um uh here in texas which helps you know legs and lungs When, when i'm leading into um Uh, Leading up into elk season, my focus comes away from sort of the traditional CrossFit, honestly, Um, and I do a lot of longer duration um, legs, lots of box step ups um, and, you know, weighted box step ups, lots of tire dragging. I do a program from Atomic Athlete. There's a guy named Jake Science um, who has a gym in Austin who's an elk hunter. Um, and he does some programming and I do his sort of, uh, ultimate predator, I think is what he calls it. And it's specifically designed for us flatlanders <laughs> go into the mountains. Um, and so I generally will do that 12 weeks out and I'll start that program and, and do it. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's done, you know, it's served. Oh, That's well. awesome to
1: hear. <laughs> do you think you guys do anything like get there's early as you can and slowly work your T you know, your way up the tier of mountain or like any signs of, well, we got to come down and hunt lower elk. I mean, it's just what we got to do. Anything like that?
2: Yeah. So year one, um, we almost killed Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, we got up in there and, and, uh, and we basically, you know, we drove straight to the trailhead and went straight up to where we were camping, which is almost 10,000 feet, and Peter, he's a, he's not a big dude. He's a skinny guy, but he's, he's also at that point wasn't working out much. He runs his own business. He, um, he had a lot of stressful things going on. He had a sinus infection, all kinds of things Again, stacked against him. Hurricane had just kind of messed up part of a house he owns down on the coast of Texas. And so he'd been down there. He hadn't gotten any sleep. He, he And then we drove straight to Colorado and threw him up into 10,000 feet. And he had, some pretty significant um altitude issues i mean i ended up carrying his pack for the last oh,
1: damn
2: couple miles but we were like dude let's get you in there get you some water get you some food and some rest and see you know see how you're doing um and we went a little lower you yeah know, we went kind of up and over went back down the next the other side and tried to get him down a little bit and he was feeling better the next morning um and but he just didn't you know he went out with us the next day and made it about a mile and a half down the trail and was like guys i got to go back to the tent and just rest and yeah. so we're like all right we'll just check in by the inner reach every hour, hour or two hours <clears throat> um but eventually we did that trip we had to take him down and call an audible um we hunted a lot lower ground um and uh but it, it was i mean it was fine it was a good time he was he was looking for flights to get out of there <laughs> but we talked him out of it we're like no way dude like we're here we're gonna we're going to, we'll just call, you know, we'll, uh, we'll adapt, you know, we'll modify the plan and we'll find some lower areas to hunt and it'll be great, you know, no problem. And so that's what we did. And uh, it, he's definitely kicked it in gear. He works out now, um, you know, just dang near every day and, and uh, he's gotten better and stronger every year. So it's, it's been a, um, you know, kind of like a lot of like what you preach, you know, it's, it's been a, uh, it's been a change, uh, sort of change catalyst for him, this elk hunting. Um, he's, he's gotten it healthier in better shape, which is, he's got, you know, oh, he's, got yeah. a, he's got four kids, helps him with stress and it'll help him with longevity, you know, just in general, his quality of life's better.
1: Well then um, that that kind of covers the altitude thing. I mean, it is again, recap, get there early, show up hydrated or overhydrated, uh, take your vitamins and then, potentially be willing or, you know, check your ego at the door, be willing to drop elevation if need be. And then you listen to your body and that's really it. I mean, there's no secret sauce. It's, it sucks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No matter how, yeah. Coming from here to there. I mean, we live, um, I probably live higher than any other guys. and, And I think I'm at about 1200 feet um, here, you know, in Texas and sort of the hill country, and, um, and you know, going from twelve hundred feet to where we're camping, usually around 8,000, somewhere in there, if, or ten thousand in some cases, um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a punch in the gut, you know, no matter what. Um, but it really does. After the first day or two, um, you just kind of you don't notice it. I guess it either just becomes normal, <laughs> where where you just get used to the, to that level of pain or uh, your body or the body's adapting to it. I'm not sure which it is, but it it does get better, you know, once you're up in there. And like you said, you've just got to pay attention. If you're getting dizzy, getting headaches at night, you might have to drop, uh, drop some elevation. But for me, like you said, I think hydration is key. Cause I just, I drink a ton of water. Yeah. A bunch. And, um, I always do. I, I mean, I probably drink, I drink over a gallon every day, just in my normal day to day, you know? 36 ounce yeti bottle that i carry everywhere with me and i'll dude, it all down that thing five or six times in a day pretty easily um but uh but and that actually on our pack out um that actually snuck up on me i ran out of water and oh yeah ran out of gas oh it killed me man um that pack out was something else um we can talk about that if you are want like to. Do you just love trail uh, cameras? But, slightly addicted uh... to them.
1: Yeah, guilty as charged. I work with Spy Point. They have several affordable trail cameras. Some are gonna be cellular, some are gonna be non-cellular. So the differences being one, the Force Pro, non-cellular, very affordable, extremely reliable, just under two hundred dollars. Or you can look up the Link S, that's the dark, or the micro LTE twin, where you get a two pack of cellulars. They come with the SIM cards, so you don't need to pay out of pocket monthly to utilize your cellular trail cameras. You can download the free app and get your hundred photos a month that you choose. Sell trail cameras are where it's at, where legal, and where you have at least two bars. You're gonna get extremely important real-time information and you don't have to go. In and disturb your area, get your scent in the ground, and bump any animals. I like trail cameras from a biological standpoint. I don't really depend on them to get animals killed, but I do depend on them to understand animal behavior, biology, animal densities, and see if I can focus on patterns where I can take advantage and know how to get in and get out of these places. So I am addicted to trail cams. I love the app, it's bulletproof from Spy Point. So check out Spy Point when you get a hot minute or next time you're in the market for a trail camera. If you're looking for cellular, I'm probably gonna recommend the Link S Dark over all of them. But if you're on a budget, get the Link Micro Twin Two Pack where you have two cell phone trail cameras working for you under $200. Or if you just wanna run normal trail cameras, check out the Force Pro. There's a couple different versions out there. I use the Force Pro or the Force 20. Both are really sweet. And then last but not least, if you already have a trail camera and you want to turn it into a cell phone trail camera, they have a product for you called the Cell Link. $59.99 attaches to your existing trail camera. You don't have to have a SIM card and it will start sending you photos to your phone. Check out spypoint.com for more information. Vortex Optics, a partner of Elk Shape since 2010. Better known, based out of Wisconsin. The VIP warranty itself that's transferable. Whether you buy your Vortex Optics used from a buddy or buy it retail from a store, that VIP warranty follows your product. No questions asked. You break it, they fix it. We're going to give you guys a quick little tip. Being a handful of months, away from elk season, one thing you can do right now, and this tip is presented by Vortex, is that you can start writing on the calendar your hunt plan, the dates that you plan on leaving so that your wife or your spouse knows what you're thinking ahead of time. Sounds silly, but I used to not communicate very well with my wife and then surprise her right at hunting season and then, hey, I'm going to be gone the entire month. Not anymore. Now, as soon as I draw a tag or have a hunt plan secured, I'm up on the calendar writing it down and going over with it. Even though she's probably gnashing her teeth a little bit at me, at least it gives her plenty of time to plan around and make sure that we are on the same page. Happy wife is a happy life and to hunt your best, things need to be dialed at home. This tip was brought to you by Vortex. Go to Vortex Wear and use the discount code ELKSHAPE to save 20% on your workout scouting gear that Vortex Wear Appreciate you guys' support. Matthews Archery out of Sparta, Wisconsin, rocking the V3X29 and 33. I think you guys know this by now, but I'm pretty much in love with that 29. It fits me like a glove. I like the 33. It's probably my favorite bow to shoot, but when we're talking about chasing elk in the elk woods, I'm gonna pack that 29 around. Fits me a little bit better. I shoot it a little bit better. You should go test drive a V3X. I think it's their best product to date. And you can really streamline your setup by using the bridge lock to get the sight in the middle of the riser. They have the new Low Pro quivers that fit tighter than anything has ever fit to a bow. You can really streamline your setup with the new technology from Matthews. Plus, they run the cross centric cams, so you can easily switch out mods. You don't have to switch out limbs if you want to change your draw weight, your draw length, or your let off. All that can be done without a press. Matthews Archery, killing it, and I love shooting my Matthews. I'm absolutely in love. You guys should go check it out at a dealer near you. I love talking packouts. I do want to cover something that is super obvious to me, and uh, I'm sure you might have thought about it once, but you said there's a group of four Yeah, you, like on paper, four of you. One guy was a little delayed. But um, you talk about you signed up for the e-scouting course. You did the bulk of the e-scouting. I bet you know where I'm going with this. And you did a bulk of the e-scouting. And then you said only two of you guys could really call. And so I want to talk about that because expectations is one of the things we cover at Elkshape Camp. And, p- and picking your hunting partner. Now, to be honest with you, you sound like somebody would be fun to hunt with. Like you do all the work. And then you're a great caller I, I get to go wherever you found for e-scouting and then I get to be shooters. So how do you avoid having any animosity towards, you know, maybe somebody who didn't pull their weight on? I know what I would do. That's why I hunt solo. I have a hard time finding people as committed as I am. And I might be a little overcommitted admittedly, but, um, how'd that go for you guys?
2: Yeah, man. So, um, it's, uh, I, man, I just love these guys. They're just, they're just good dudes. They're brothers, you know? And, um, and that's kind of, I don't know. That's just kind of part of, of, of me. Um, I want to be that guy. I want to, you know, like, I love helping them. Um, I, and, and honestly, too, some, a lot of it's selfish too, because uh, for me, you know, as far as putting in the work the e-scouting and, and all that stuff and and learning how to call and um, i mean i've done elk 101 i've done you know years i've got elk collective uh, i'm a voracious podcaster I, I take in everything i can um, and part of that is selfish because uh, i'm trying to to hunt on a shoestring budget um, you know um, i uh, i honestly just don't um, have the income that these other guys do. And so I'm trying to keep them from ha- wanting to go out and hire guys. I feel that. <laughs> so the better I can get, you know, at this stuff, uh, then, uh, the better our chances are, and, and the further, hopefully I can keep their minds away from, from paying for an outfitter, um, that, uh, and I've told them if they want to do that, do it and I'll, I'll do my own thing. But, uh, yeah, you know, I've got to, I've got to keep it, keep it realistic, keep it within budget um for myself. Uh and so that's part of it is uh, and I just enjoy the work to get there, you know, like I enjoy I'm gonna work out every day anyways. Um I'm gonna do the e scouting anyways. And it doesn't bother me at all if if I'm the one sending them. And that's what I did, man. I I put everything into on X and sent them all the uh the files. You know, yeah here's here's where we're going, here's here's glass and spots, A, B, C, D, E, you know, here's the plan. Yep. Um and uh and and you know those they keep me when we're on the mountain they keep you know we all keep each other positive um you know they're just they're just brothers man and I'd do anything for them um and they and same same goes the other direction honestly um if I kill a bull they'd be thrilled if they kill a bull we're all thrilled um and uh, and Peter's learning how to call <laughs> he's getting there dude he has he, I think he has a really weird shape Oh yeah, shape guaranteed. Now because he just cannot, cannot. We've tried every dang diaphragm there is, um, and he just can't get it get it going. He he sounds like he's leaking. Yeah, air every, he's got to cut every the diaphragm.
1: tape. He's got to do something. They also Phelps started making a. Yeah, and I uh, I got to see one. that for the first time this last weekend, and I think that's the ticket.
2: Yeah yeah so but he actually he got one of the phelps um external those that metal tube with that external yeah holy cow he can actually bugle that thing like i was super impressed i was like dude you got it don't try to chuckle again but that bugle was great you know (laughs) like it was uh and so like he's he's getting there um and he's working on it um but yeah i mean as far i don't know man i just don't I don't know. I don't think any of them have any animosity towards me. uh, And I certainly, but if you guys want to prevent
1: that maybe from happening, do your part, pull your weight, be a good hunting partner. And if you don't know what to do, then find the quarterback in this instance, obviously Dusty's the quarterback. Talk to the quarterback and the quarterback will set you straight. Let you know what you need to work on, what you can help and be a team player. You guys will have more success. Your success is my success. And that'll be good. Um, Talk to me about pack out best practices. That's kind of where I want to finish. Let's hope that everybody gets an opportunity to do a pack out. What did you learn from that experience, bro? Mm.
2: Uh, Well, one thing I learned is don't walk through a creek and not get water. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, so the pack out, uh, we really, we only had to pack this bull uh, 0.9 miles to to get him back to a trail right so to get him off the side of the mountain out of the blowdown and back to a trail was only 0.9 miles and it took us 8 hours to get him oh my 0.9 gosh. miles <laughs> through the blowdown with three of us um and again it makes me wonder if we're actually really soft so <laughs> or if the blowdown was if it's legitimately that much of a of a uh, of a factor speed you can move because i mean and it was i've got some pictures and some videos of the blowdown i mean you know with a load on your back the the best place to walk in this blowdown was um oh yeah on a log if you could find a log that didn't have too many stops and you could run it for you know 15 yards that was the best feeling 15 yards of the whole day you know what i mean um and otherwise you're going over under you know just miserable. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> we got on that bull, we got him broke down. Uh, it took us about an hour and a half to break him down between the three of us. Um, got him into packs. Um, and honest. And, and so we, that night we like, okay, let's, let's take, <clears throat> let's take some quarters. Uh, we didn't bone him out. We left, we left the bone in, loaded up, uh, hind quarters. Um, and, uh, Let's see. What do we load up first? Load hindquarters. John and I each took a hind quarter, and Robert took um, like a, a front and and like neck meat trimmings, you know, backstrap tenderloin stuff like that. And so then we start heading out, and we tr- we tried to sort of straight line it back to a uh, back to the trail and not go all the way back around. So we're essentially kind of going down into the canyon and then over to back up a little bit over to the trail. We thought that would be better. It was absolutely not. um yeah we got cliffed out at this point it was dark um because we killed the bull right somewhere between three and four um and so by the time we got it broke down loaded up it was getting close to dark and so on the way out it got dark and we cliffed out um you know trying to pick our way through all this blowdown, dealing with these little cliffs that we you know They just didn't show up, man. Um, When I went back and looked at the aerial imagery, I'm like, oh, yeah, there they are. But on the topos and stuff, they're, you know, they're less than 30 feet. And so they don't really show up between 20-foot topo lines very good. Um, And so we, uh, but, and also in the dark, you look over off one of these things and and your headlamp just disappears into nothing. And you're like, okay, probably don't want to try to go down that. Um, And so we we, uh, stashed the meat that night, found what we, well, we made some shade because the blowdown was so bad, you know, the beetle kill was so bad, took the meat, um, cached it, laid it up on some logs and then covered it with some, with some, uh, little pines that we cut down, um, just to kind of make some shade, um, uh, and near a Creek. So just sort of tried to find a cool spot. <clears throat> and then we walked out, got back to camp that night, maybe ten thirty, um, came back in the next morning, uh, that night we heard a bugle at about four a.m. when the when the moon finally went, you know, finally did its thing. Um yeah. But that was the only bugle we heard at night. But we made a mental note of that one. And uh, next day went back to the bull and packed it out in the daylight. Uh it just took him back out the way we came in instead of trying to cut cross country there. Um but it was like I said and we shuttled the meat <clears throat> um 0. 0.9 miles in eight hours through all this blowdown. Um and uh we would you know we'd move it as far as we could um usually about uh well, i don't know 400 meters 200 300 meters sometimes drop the meat go back get the uh, get the other half and then leapfrog it you know take it mm-hmm. about two or mm-hmm. three hundred meters past that 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 group and that gave us a chance you know gave us a little recovery walk on the way back Dude, to the that's meat, so which, which huge yeah that helped a lot i don't think Dude, if we would have tried this pack out in one, two solid shots, at least for us, it would have completely zapped us. We would have redlined and we would not have been able to get it done. I don't think, um, you know, not without losing some meat, we would just find as shady of a spot as we could and, and, and put that meat down and, and take that little rest walk back, you know, try to drink plenty of water unless you run out (laughs) and, uh, and, and take in calories, you know, consistently all day.
1: Just to remember to stay hydrated while you're doing it and to stop, take, make time for food and then don't bypass creeks. Fill up every opportunity. And if you get to a creek, that means you need to chug your entire Nalgene and replenish it. These are good tips, man. That
2: was my mistake. I walked through a creek and I didn't want to go back. And I was like, it's only you know we're only 0.7 miles from the trail like and i know there's another creek before we get there far but not far (laughs) took us you know it was it it, it was probably you know three or four hours before we got to that next creek and so i was out of water for a while and dude i bonked i mean i slowed down and it was tough and of course you know i started getting just uh you know um you know, down, I was like, God, how is this so bad? But once I got water and got, and got some calories in me, you know, I, I bounced back pretty good. And I was like, Oh, okay. Exactly. That was the problem. (laughs) I needed water. Um, so yeah, that was a big deal. That was a big lesson learner for me. Um, was yeah, just because it's, you know, not far. I mean, maybe a half mile, it's going to take us a long time to get there and it's going to be hard, um, through all this blowdown and with meat on our backs. So, so a half a mile, is a mile if, if you're walking back, you know, or more if you're walking back and forth shuttling meat. So, you know, it's further than it really is on map.
1: You guys are awesome, man. I'm telling you, I tip my hat to you, and, you know, that's just more fuel for the fire to, like, continue down the path, this learning curve, albeit daunting, albeit unforgiving. You stayed relentless. I love your motivation to be the quarterback. You know, hey, I don't – I'm blue-collar. I can't afford a freaking, um, outfitter. I don't have the means. Let me pull my extra weight, keep you guys away from that low hanging fruit. And there's nothing wrong with hiring an outfitter. If it's in your budget, if you see the value, it could actually speed up your learning curve. I've hunted with outfitters before, for sure. Most of those experiences were all right. Um, but
2: Oh, absolutely not, man. I have absolutely right. nothing against hiring an outfitter. Probably, probably do it if if I had the had the means, you know. Um, because like you said, that's a great way to learn, Those and it might be a way to time. get
1: yourself access to some land that you wouldn't otherwise. But, but I love that you have taken that e scouting course. I know that Mark probably doesn't need any more promotion than I already give him, but it it really do believe nice in what he's falls, doing. Idaho, my neighbor in 2020. I completely buried a knife into my hand and it was not a fixed blade. It was one of those scalpel replaceable ones that break real easy. And I buried it so deep that I actually, the doctor recommended surgery, which I might've, should've listened, but I didn't. Anyways, several stitches later, in a week of elk hunting down the drain, I got my hand healed up. Since that day, I've vowed not to use scalpels anymore in the field. And so I've switched back to Buck Knives, tried and true since 1902, made in America, tremendous amount of history. They're also my everyday carry. So you should check out the new everyday carry 22 lineup from Buck Knives. They got the 110 Slim Pro TXR. That's probably my all-time favorite for everyday carry. You can also check out the 110 Sport knife or the 112 Ranger 50th Anniversary Edition. If you're looking for a skinner, I would maybe consider the customizable 113 Ranger skinner knife. That's the knife that I customize for all my Elk Shape Camp, Spirit of Elk Shape Camp Awards, and that's the knife that we use to skin all my elk in 2021. If there's a knife out there that you need, they can customize it or you can peruse their website. Buck Knives is a huge supporter of Elk Shape. We appreciate them and we love being their neighbor. Please be careful when you're breaking down your animal and consider switching to a fixed blade just for me. Crispy USA, Crispy Boots, my favorite boots because they don't require any break in, period. For stocking any animal out west, it's Laponia GTX. This is a very affordable boot. This is not a $500 boot. Boot. It's very athletic and it's a quiet boot, and it's definitely something that could help you sneak in tighter to animals. So if you are a stalker, you might want to check out Laponia GTX. If you're looking for another affordable boot that's perfect for elk hunting, it's the Colorado GTX. I know cameraman Jake and myself. That's our both our favorite number one boot from Crispy. It's the one that gets the most use. And two is one. I have two pairs because I like to switch out boots every day. The Colorados are not insulated, which is great for me to keep my feet from sweating. It has board lasting mechanical construction. It includes the ABSS ankle support system, which helps propel you forward. It's got a four flex rating. They're protected with Kevlar triple stitching, polyurethane coated, and leather rand. The height is eight inches. And one boot weighs under two pounds. They're super light. They're fast. They're very athletic to help you keep up with elk. The last thing I want to mention about boots is number one, all your hunting starts from the ground up. Choose wisely. Number two, consider putting sheep feet inside any pair of boots that you rock. Sheep feet are a full length custom orthotic built for your feet specifically. Use the discount code elkshape. shape. It'll take 10% off your purchase. I run sheet feet in every piece of boot I wear. I obviously have several pairs of boots, but the sheet feet are always in there. I think they help me leak less energy every stride, every step. They keep my feet strong and durable. And the last thing I would want for any of you hunting is to have foot issues while trying to hunt. Hunt your best. Include sheep feet. On your must list for 2022.
2: Yeah, it truly is uh, invaluable. I mean, it, it it I feel like it was the reason we got on. You know, yeah, we got on to. And
1: he'll listen to this, and it'll he he'll be tickled to hear <laughs> that, man. That's I emailed
2: just... him. I sent him some pictures and let him know. Like I That's even cool. sent him some screenshots of. Look, dude, here's the areas that I identified and there's a dot where we killed the bull, like within that area that I circled, you know, like,
1: Mm, uh, I love it.
2: Well, man, um,
1: good job. I'm so proud of you. I hope you guys get some good tags in your pocket this year. I'm not worried about you going to an unlimited OTC in Colorado. I know you like the Southwest area, but you just got to put the work in and then just add more hunt plans, download everything to your phone and get everybody on the same page, and then go execute.
2: Yeah, man. I like that you guys (laughs) had the
1: full moon, and you still were able to kill in those really tough dates last year. You did the night bugling. That's something I would do. I would really try to time between 12 and 3 a.m. when the moon's getting pretty big, and then it's also when is that moon rising is really important. Treat it almost like sunrise. Like, you know how bulls really kind of crank up in the mornings as the as the sun's starting to rise, treat the moon as such, just to locate. Also find yourself a place that you can glass twelve hours from that moonrise. So if the moon's coming up bright at midnight, then those elk might be getting restless midday. So between eleven and one p.m., be at your glassy knob, get everybody spread out, start picking apart the country so you can get in close. I'm not into I don't I'm not intimidated by moon phases. I don't even to be honest with you i don't even pay attention to them um obviously when they're there they're there uh but you can still get it done as you guys did and i don't think you should plan your vacation around moon phases don't you know plan to just hunt as much as you can given the time that that god gave you
2: yep yeah we just have to hunt when we can you know based yeah. off when we can get off work and you know, we've hunted during muzzleloader season with the with the muzzy guys out there at the same time, and we've hunted, you know, full moons and stuff like that, but, you know, none of it's going to, is is that's not what's going to make or break you when you're out there. There's still bulls, there's still elk out there to kill.
1: I'm going to have you stand up, up at elk Shape camp and give a little quick testimony in front of the guys before Mark starts to talk. We'll do that in Texas. The guys listening, I don't know if this podcast will be out by then, but we do have, like, four or five spots maybe for the Texas camp we're allowing 50 which is pretty big but we also beefed up our uh, subject matter expert team so um, if anything we're just kind of arm wrestling for who gets to talk there's so many awesome elk hunters at camp and then as you know you're signing up to basically meet a very dedicated network of people just like yourself and uh that's one of the most powerful parts so i'm excited i love these camps we get to meet new trustworthy allies man and uh i'm so glad that you get to help out at whatever capacity
2: yeah man i'm super pumped to uh, to come and do whatever it is you need me to do i'll uh, go get the black rifle coffee or uh, <laughs> whatever you know uh, but like you said just so many good guys like i still I still talk to every now and then some guys from the uh, from the camp I went to, you know, and uh, it's uh, that I met there didn't know them before, and so it's it's just like you said, bunch of like-minded dudes, good guys, solid guys, Um, you know. Not to mention your your lineup of speakers are they're all right, uh, you know. Top tier, man. Yeah. Well, we'll,
1: we'll see you in Texas, <laughs> Dusty. We'll give you a really big uh, three day weekend away from you know working on your house. So make sure that thing's ready to go, and we'll get you a little break, and uh, we'll get to catch up. We'll get a workout in or three, and it'll be good. All right, yeah, man. God bless you guys. Check out Dusty. I'll put some links to. Actually, he's taking a break from social, so I'll put no links, but. That's right. But uh, just <laughs> That's another right. solid dude that we got to meet at Elk Shape Camp and a guy who did it himself and is a student of the game, just like all of us. Separations in the preparation. We'll catch on the next one. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Dusty, as always, enjoyed hanging out with you, man, keeping it real. Admire your work ethic, and I know this 2022 season, all your continued e-scouting and expansion of knowledge on that area, you're going to get a chance to punch your tag. Way to be the quarterback, the leader of your group. Guys, be like Dusty. Work hard every day in the name of better elk hunting. Shout out to Numa Outdoors. Discount code shape 20 Takes 20% off first purchase. On X, become elite membership. And take 20% off discount code elk shape vortex wear discount code is elk shape takes 20% off wilderness athlete discount code elk shape 30 takes 30% off your first purchase as always blackovis.com. discount code elk shape takes 10% off they have just about everything under the sun sheep feet for your feet. Discount code is oakshape takes 10% off and last but not least the ElkCollective.com. discount code all one word oakshape podcast that'll get you 20 bucks off your annual membership. Get to study and get to learning. We are going to announce the locations of the 2023 Oakshape camp soon. Pre-sale will go live mid-summer. Early bird specials will start September 1st. Regular prices November 1st and late prices January 1. We have five locations picked out. I will uh, tell you those later. In the meantime, go shoot your bow. Go work out. Go find out what your wife's version of elk hunting is. And act interested. Spend time with your kids. Put your phone down. Work hard every day in the name of Better Elk Hunting. Separations in the preparation. Catch you on the next one.